Welcome to Why I'm Voting, a production of iHeartRadio. Listen, you already know this, but it's an election year. You might already be tired of hearing about it, but here's the thing. Democracy doesn't work without you. I'm Holly Fry, and I'm sitting down with many of my fellow podcasters from Will Ferrell to Stephanie Rule, as well as other luminaries to find out about their relationships with the ballot box, and ultimately, just to find out why they vote. I hope you're exercising your right to vote. And if you're not, I hope that their stories inspire you. Today on Why I'm Voting, it feels like a very special day for me because I'm joined by Aaron Menke, who is, of course, a storyteller and a writer and producer. He kind of came onto the scene with his hit podcast, Lore, and that has led to many more podcasts and his partnership with iHeartRadio, which is how I got to know him. He now heads up Grim and Mild Entertainment, which is part of that initiative, creating really interesting stories. They have a new show called American Shadows, which is launching in the imminent future. And he's just a friend of mine, so this feels like a lot of fun. Hi, Aaron. Hey, Holly. I feel like I haven't seen you in forever. Has it been since the dinner at the restaurant, or was there a different time? <laughs> that one dinner at the restaurant? Um, Yes, when you were on tour in Atlanta, I think, was the last time. Oh, yeah. That yeah. I saw, because that was after, yeah, that was after all of our Orlando shenanigans That's when right. we were doing podcast movement. Yeah, it's been too long. It has. I, and I want to, once the world is back to normal, I want to go back to that restaurant and just eat and drink all night. I feel like everyone's dance card will be so full the second it's actually safe to like mm. travel and visit and do social things at a normal level. Like yeah. we should just block out a whole other year to catch up with everybody. You know, I'm an introvert, so I'm okay with not seeing people. But I've learned to appreciate the humans in my life that I do care for. And, and so I, <laughs> I, I now know, like, who do I miss? Who do I not miss? It's, it's been really clarifying. I'm on the missed list. You are. You're on the missed list. You and Brian, oh, sweethearts, my, I love you guys. My goodness, what spoiled children we are. <laughs> but that is neither here nor there, because today we're talking about the much more important issue, I mean, depending on how you look at it, of our voting rights. <laughs> Yeah. You talk about historical things all the time, as do I. So this might be an easier question for you than it is for some people. Do you remember when you first learned, probably as a kid in school, about really the workings of democracy and how it all functioned and that you had a part to play in the process? I do. I mean, I I think I, being of the same generation as you, I remember Schoolhouse Rock and the lessons driven into my head by that. But yeah, I, I remember when I realized that, wow, I'm part of this group of people who will participate in the future of the country. And that's that's kind of cool. Did you register right away when you turned Hell 18? No. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't no, you? No, I was I was really disinterested in I, I think I suffered through what I people still today. They they look at the parties that are available or the candidates available and they say, I don't like anybody. I'm not going to be active and involved in it. And that's what I did for a number of years. So then what finally motivated you to become active and involved and get registered? When I realized that change only happens when people, people, capital P or lowercase p, whatever you want to use, get behind something and push for it, you know, and, and we're seeing that with protests, obviously, and that's a, it's a right of ours, but also this idea that on this regular schedule, we get to sit down and fill these little ovals with a black mark and tell the nation what we think should happen. And I think when you're young, you're, you don't really notice that things are bad or heading in a bad direction or they're improving or whatever. You, you just kind of, you're going about life. You're too busy thinking about 
who are you dating next? Or what's your job like? Do you hate it? You're going to go look for something else. My apartment sucks. All those things like early adulthood is kind of full of a lot of things in your brain. But as you find smoother waters, you start to pay attention to the world around you more. And that's, I think that's when I started to realize that we needed some change, you know? So do you remember the first time that you voted? Do you remember what it felt like? Anticlimactic, <laughs> you know, like Fair. we just talked about it, all this power and responsibility, but you go into a booth and you, you fill in what feels like a Scantron test from senior year and then you walk away. But you have to pair that with like sitting down that night and watching election results or reading your local paper or whatnot. Yeah, it wasn't the most mind-blowing experience, but I did realize that now I'm part of the process and I got to keep doing this. Yeah, there is. I think especially that first time when you don't know, you walk out and there's kind of a sense of like, okay, now what happens? Yeah. There's so much yeah. buildup. Right. I'm glad you just mentioned your local paper because I want to ask you about local elections. Do you make sure you vote in the local elections? Like the, you know, sometimes smaller, they don't always come up every four years. They're popping up every two in some places more often than that. Yeah. Yeah. I just did a mail-in vote. Must have been about a month ago for our, our local elections. And actually did research on the candidates and as best you can when they are not very well-known people, because this is my community. When you start paying real estate taxes into a town, you start to feel a little bit of ownership and you realize, oh, wait, that measure on the ballot right there is going to spend more of my tax money or it's going to increase my taxes or decrease it. You you get interested in that. So yeah, we, we do all of the, my wife and I, all of the local elections. And I did it mail-in because Massachusetts has made it easy for people to mail in their votes this year. You mentioned, you know, that sometimes it's a lot of weird stuff that comes up on that. And I know you to be a hardy researcher. So do you have like a process where you hunt down your local people or do you like, how do you prepare for a local election? You know, I, I look at if they have parties listed, you know, I'll pay attention to what party they're from. If you're going to vote party line, I look at newcomers or You know, sometimes it's a simple, a lot of local elections, what you have is some old dude is retiring and somebody's taking the place. So it's not about who has a better platform or whatever. It's more about, you know, there are two new people vying for an empty seat and who has the most experience. And so I do my best to find out, you know, what's the work experience this person had? What's the political experience? It's the kind of stuff that we should ask all the way up the chain. You know, my kids are in grade school and they think that the person who runs the entire education program in the country should probably be a former teacher. And they're very surprised to learn that that's not the case. (laughs) I I look for, and and that's not a, that's not a party jab. That's a common sense thing. I just like my political views are common sense. I, I think that you should have experience in the political sphere you're working in. And so, you know, local elections I looked at, this person wants to make decisions on the city council. What were their previous political appointments or whatnot? And I try to make a call that way. Have you ever been in that position where it's exactly as you described, like the person that's held this seemingly like small in the grand scheme of things office forever has retired and there's only one person on the ballot? Yeah, it happens a lot. Yeah. And I always feel like, I don't know if I feel cheated in that situation, but I'm always like, should I just automatically vote for this person, whether or not they're necessarily in line with my views? Like, we got to have somebody in there if I don't vote for this. Is that yeah. really, a, like, it's always tricky in those moments. I know. It's it's like, what is my action of not filling in the little oval do for this person's chances of, I mean, they're going to get elected anyway. There's no opposing party. Um, it's very tricky. But that brings up another thing I wanted to ask you about, because we often, you know, I mean, you, like me, are on social media and we're constantly getting a barrage of like, here's what the latest poll reveals. 
there are cases, not always in an instance where there's only one person running, but there are a lot of instances where people think like the results of this election are a foregone conclusion. Yeah. How do you approach those? And do you still feel like it's as important to get out and cast that ballot just the same? You know, I have no degree that qualifies me to do the job that I have today. I have a bachelor's in psychology. But what I one of the things I remember about my time in college and taking my psychology classes was statistics. And it's this again, this goes back to common sense. I, I think that if you do a a poll or a survey and you say, wow, 75 percent of people are leaning toward this candidate. Don't take it at face value because you have to look down in, at the details and, and, and oh, you find out that, well, this poll actually only asked 200 people in a country of what, 375, 400 million people. That's dumb. Like it's not even a survey. It's just a, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a post-it note on a website. It's, it's so I don't look at things like that. Even big, big polling places like 538, it was so, so wrong in 2016 because you can only do so much in, in assuming the future based on the data you have because that, that data is skewed. Where did you do your survey? Was it in a particular city? Well, that city has a demographic makeup and it has a socioeconomic makeup. And I just get really, really leery of any of those exit polls and you know surveys done by groups, even if it's in the thousands of people or tens of thousands, it's still not enough. It's not a big enough sample size. You also mentioned earlier that you did a mail-in on your recent local election. A lot of mail-in votes are thankfully being precipitated by the weird circumstance that we are yeah. in right now. But normally, do you prefer to mail in or vote early or vote day of, presuming we were not in a pandemic? If we're not in a pandemic, I like to go in day of. I like to be part of that buzzing community, going in and out of town hall, that kind of thing. But, you know, I, I think about my experiences going to polls. It's probably the same for you. I think it's an Achilles heel in the system, but all of the volunteers hands down, all the volunteers in my polling places have always been elderly people. They're retired. They're very, very interested in politics and they want to contribute to the system. But you have all of these people who are the most susceptible right now to this pandemic that's going on. And I don't want to create a need for them to be out and about this year. I want to, I want to mail stuff in. But pandemic aside, yeah, get me in there on, on election day. That's fun. I like it. I just love seeing all the other people in my county community. Yeah. I also will tell you, our volunteers have started shifting downward in age in the last six years, which has been really cool to see. Like it used to always be yeah. elderly, usually really very sweet elderly ladies. And now like the last few times I've been like, wow, you look like you're 28, uh, which is a marvelous thing because it means that's really more good. people are in that process. Yeah. When it is voting day, do you have any rituals around it? Do you have good luck clothing? Do you like to watch polls all day? Do you like to get distance from it? How does that day play out for you? I don't do anything ritualistic around it. You know, I, I try to go around the same time. I try to pick a time where it's not going to be as busy, if that even exists. And fully aware that it's a privilege that I can even go at like 10 a.m. In the, in the morning, right? Like some people, they have to work all day and I work for myself and I can just step in and do it. But I'm on the East Coast. I get to see pretty quickly that evening my local stuff, my state stuff. And then we sort of stay up late and watch the national things, the Congress, Senate and House, what sort of things are shaking out for that. And of course, the presidential. I think that's where the ritual comes in. Toward the evening when the results are going to start coming in, we sit down and we just watch it. For my final question, you get to be an advocate for voting mm. in a presumptive situation that is fictional in this moment. Pretend that I was chatting with you and we are friends like we are. And I was like, yeah, I don't vote. 
what would you <laughs> tell me to try to make sure that I understand how important it is and that I get out there and use this right? I mean, I could take two tacks here, Holly. I could be the confrontational jerk and say, look, if you don't vote, you have zero right to complain about how things are being run in this country because that's how you express your complaints. You vote. But uh, the, the nice Aaron would say, look, you know, there are so many things in your life that you don't even realize are impacted by the way the government is run and who's making choices, whether those are passionate, like ideological beliefs or whether or not the road around the corner is going to get paved this summer. You know, things as simple as that are impacted by whether or not we get out and we express our opinion and cast a vote. And I know that there are cynics. I know that there are people that say things like the two-party system is broken. Yeah, it might be broken, but you don't change it by starting a third party. You change it by getting into a party that exists and change it from within. And some people will say, look, the Electoral College makes all the choices. We don't. But, you know, only five times in history has the Electoral College not gone with the popular vote. Once was in 2016. The other was 2000 with George W. Bush and only three times in our entire history before that. So, yeah, I think that it is important to get out and vote because your voice, at the very least, negates somebody else's voice who's screaming the opposite things. You have to contribute. This is this is one of the, the most important rights we have. And there are a lot of nations that don't have this right. So we should be exercising it. Aaron, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome, Holly. At the very least, folks, just vote. Just vote. Hey, are you not registered to vote yet, but you think it's something you want to do? You may still have time. Voter registration deadlines vary by state, so to find out the scoop for where you are, check out a nonpartisan registration voting site like headcount.org or fairvote.org. Why I'm Voting is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is you listen to your favorite shows.